be seated. All right, so if you are a natural earthly father, that means you have little ones running around, you're vaguely familiar with little, there's small people in your house, or you're a grandfather or one of those, so please stand up if you are a father. Give them a hand. Amen. Well, keep standing. I'm going to pray over you. Shut your hands out to them. Father, I just thank you so much for these fathers. That, Father, their position is so important. And, Father, even if they have children that are raised now the home, and even if there have been mistakes made, Lord, you're able to turn that around and work for good. And, Lord, I thank you that you're in this age, in this time, turning the hearts of the children to the Father and the fathers to the children. And, Father, I thank you for any restoration that needs to take place between any family members, any children, Lord, I thank you that it takes place. But I thank you just for the, the strong fathers we have in this room, Lord. And I thank you for the wisdom of God given to them. And that they can be a better father than ever before this year. And Father, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can be seated. And so just in case I forget, uh, after it's over, we have something for you fathers. If... Uh, if you go out there, we actually, we give the ladies on Mother's Day dying vegetation, <laughs> uh, flat roses. And so, but the men, uh, we give you cookies. Amen. And so, so grab, I think we have enough to get several cookies if you want several cookies. So that will be awesome. So you're ready for the word. Amen. Okay. So we have finished the book of Galatians. And if you're new, to, new here, I mentioned the next book that we'll be on because we we're expositional church. I teach verse by verse, line by line. And so I'll be teaching uh, coming up uh, in, two, in three weeks from now, uh, the book of Ephesians will begin, verse by verse, mining the riches of that book. And so it's going to be tremendous. I'm going to take my time. We're going to go through it and we're going to be enriched by it. I really felt on my heart there's a two-part message that I was supposed to share this week and next week. It may go on to another one, but I don't think so. I think it's a two-parter, and it's on the power of God. And so this is part one, and then, of course, part two is next week. All right, so let's talk about the power of God. I want to, again, talk about receiving the power of God as a Christian. Uh, the Holy Spirit's ministry is key to a believer. There's a difference between the Old Testament ministry or the Old Testament living versus New Testament living. And what was the major difference between trying to live under the Old Testament living under the New Testament? The Holy Spirit. And so in the New Testament, you're born again by the Spirit, but you also have the power of the Holy Spirit to live. And so the law was all based on your resources, your ability to serve God. You had to come up with the ability and the willingness to do all of God's commandments. But in the New Covenant, God gives you power to do anything He's asked you to do. He gives you grace to do it. He gives you power to do it. And He'll work that willingness and the ability in you to do whatever He wants you to do. So as a Christian, you have the power to do His will. You don't have the power of God to do your own thing. You have the power to do God's thing. And so the Holy Spirit's been sent to impart the grace of God to believers. So the grace has two dimensions, main dimensions. It has a vertical dimension and has a horizontal dimension. A lot of Christians only understand the vertical side of the Christian walk. Our vertical relationship with God as children, but we have a whole horizontal side because when you got saved, you didn't get a private rapture. You were left here. Why? You were left on assignment. You were left on this earth to have relationships, have a job, have a ministry, have the great commission, not the great suggestion. And so you're called, to, but to live that out, you need power. And so the grace of God vertically is the unmerited favor of God. It's a gift 
But horizontally, the grace of God is the power of God to do what you would never do, never pull off in your natural self. Look at 2 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 9 this morning. 2 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 9. Paul here is like most Christians, trying to pray out bad things he doesn't want in his life, things that are bugging him in his life, and he wants to get rid of it. And so there's a spirit sent from Satan to buffet him, to persecute him wherever he goes. He's praying it out of his life. And God gives him a different answer than what he expects. And so I want you to see each time he prays, God says the same thing. You know God never changes his mind. You ever prayed again hoping he'd change his mind this time? God hasn't changed his mind. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And so this is the father back to Paul praying that this, this spirit would leave his ministry. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, And he said to me, My grace, say, My grace, my grace. is sufficient for you. I don't care what you're going through right now. God's grace is sufficient. There's no excuse to fail when God's grace is sufficient. We can have a reason that we fail. It's because we don't tap into God's grace. We think we can do it all that ourselves. And so the famous last words I always love to say is watch this. Stand back and watch this. And so when we try to do the Christian walk by ourselves, we're going to find out. I'm going to give you a revelation right now. The Christian life is not hard. The Christian life is impossible. The only way the Christian life is done is by the grace and power of God, not by yourself. And Paul had to learn that in Romans chapter 7 before he got Romans 8. In Romans 7, he kept trying and trying over in his own self to do the things he ought to do and stop doing the things he ought to stop to do. And then, but he said, oh, wretched man that I am, and that he found great victory in chapter 8. What was the difference between chapter 7 and chapter 8? The Holy Spirit is mentioned for the first time. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is mentioned in chapter 8. So the demarcation between Old Testament living and New Testament living is the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what we're talking about this morning. The Holy Spirit is our helper and gives us help. Isn't that nice of him? I want you to turn to the person on your right and say, you need help. Now turn to the person on the left and say, you really need help. <laughs> Husbands, that's why that wife's sitting next to you, because she's your helpmate. Men need help. Amen. Got a hand clap there. John 14, 16. What's a single guy? He, he's someone that needs help, doesn't know it. John 14, but you quickly learn it as you get married. John 14, 16. John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Up until that time, they had a helper named Jesus, but he says, I'm leaving. I'm going to leave another helper. The word another is the Greek word, which means another of the same kind and quality. I'm going to give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Who is this? The Holy Spirit. He is our helper. One of the main ways the Holy Spirit helps us is imparting the power of God in our life. Look at Acts chapter 1. Look at verse 8. Acts 1, look at verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. Say, I got the power. Someone's got the power back there. And you shall be my witnesses, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria at the ends of the earth. Power. That's what, what the Holy Spirit brings to the Christian. 
Oftentimes we're not tapping into the power of God as a Christian. So vertically, the Holy Spirit imparts the new birth, imparts eternal life to us. But horizontally, to live this life, he gives you power. And it comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the New Testament gift of tongues. Oh no, pastor's going to talk about tongues this morning. Yes, because God talks about tongues. Jesus talked about tongues. No, Jesus didn't talk about tongues. Yes, he did. Look in Mark 16, verse 17. I want you to read it in your Bible. Mark 16, look at verse 17. He's ready to leave, and he gives a great commission to the church. And he says, those that believe on my name will do certain things. And it says here, and these signs will follow the apostles. No, he says, those who believe. Raise your hand if you believe on Jesus. This is Jesus. You ought to be doing this. Jesus says, in my name they will cast out demons. And they will speak with new tongues. Jesus talked about it. Before he left, he says, this is something that believers ought to be operating in. And so if Jesus talked about it, I'm going to talk about it. And so let's talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So there's much confusion in the body of Christ about the Holy Spirit, receiving the Holy Spirit at the new birth and having the Holy Spirit in us. And then the subsequent experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit comes upon us. In the new birth, he, become, he comes in us. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he comes upon us. In the new birth, it's for our benefit. For the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he comes upon us for service. And so I want you to see that. And so let's look at the Holy Spirit in the new birth. And so when you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit joined to your spirit. The Holy Spirit gave life to you, gave the new birth to you, and seals you. But I want you to see the King James Version, please. John chapter 4, look at verse 14. This is Jesus speaking. But whosoever drinketh, you know, I love the King James sometimes. Sometimes I talk King James to my wife. She says, stoppeth. <laughs> I'm sorry. If. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water I shall give him shall be in him. Say in him. In him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. This is the new birth where the believer receives the Holy Spirit on the inside. It regenerates the believer, seals the believer in Christ, and gives them eternal life. And the Holy Spirit's in you and never will leave you. And so this is the new birth. But it says it's a well of water. A well. Say well. What's a well? A well is for private use. You have a well for your family it's for, or for you for your private use. And so your salvation, you can't give it to somebody else. You can share Jesus. They have to have their own new birth. But your new birth, for you, new birth is for you. It's eternal life for you. It's a well of water for you. It's inside you. Look at Romans 8 9. If you don't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. Look at Romans 8. Look at verse 9. It says, uh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Raise your hand if God, the spirit of God dwells in you. Then guess what? Positionally, you're in the spirit. Now, it's up to you to walk in the spirit or walk according to the flesh, but positionally, you're in the spirit. That's good news. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. So you don't belong to Jesus if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So when you got saved, you received the Holy Spirit inside you to give you new life. But I want you to see a subsequent experience called the baptism 
in the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit comes upon a believer for service. I want you to look at Acts 1-8 again, and we're going to bring out a couple words you probably didn't see the first time we read it just a second ago. Acts chapter 1, look at verse 8. This is Jesus right before he left, before he was taken from the Mount of Olives. Jesus says, but you believers, you disciples, shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Notice this verse says, you receive power. Why? To be witnesses. I think we read this wrong sometimes. We say, we receive power to do witnessing. It doesn't say that we receive power to do witnessing. Yes, we receive power to do witnessing. It goes much deeper than that, much more fundamental than that, that we have power to be witnesses. Do you know you witness with your life more than you do with your words? When you keep your word and you show up on time and you're faithful and you're kind and gentle and the world recognizes it when you're not. The worst thing to do is on your, on your bumper stickers have a fish symbol, run people off the road, you have a little business card with a fish and you're about to hook people and you're crook, being a crook and, and don't keep your word. And so, so we have the power to bear fruit and to have the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, we need also the gifts. We need them in balance. Ask someone, do you have the fruit or are you just fruity? Let's look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit and why was it given in the day of Acts, the beginning of the church age. We're going to see Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. We're going to see the baptism in the Holy Spirit and we're going to see the New Testament gift of tongues given to the church. And Jesus said, the new believer, those that believe in me shall speak with new tongues or should speak with new tongues. Acts 2, look at verse 1. But when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, a, mar- a rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon, say upon, upon. sat upon them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Why was it given? For service. Because we're going to find out the next couple verses, Peter's going to stand up and deliver a sermon, a powerful sermon. And just days before, Peter, the rock, stood up on the night Jesus was betrayed and said, I'm Rocky. I'm here for you. I won't let anything happen to you, Jesus. I'm Rocky, and I'm in your corner. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, Rocky? I'm about to say, just in a few hours, you are going to deny me three times before the crow crows. And sure enough, before a little girl, he crumbles and becomes pebbles. (laughs) And he's hiding out with all the disciples in fear. But all of a sudden, on the day of Pentecost, something happens to Peter. He stands up and delivers a powerful message. And it's not to influence people and be friends because he stands up before thousands and says, You're the one that killed them. You're the one that crucified them. And preached boldly. What happened to Peter? The baptism in the Holy Spirit with a New Testament gift of tongues made a difference in his life. What Jesus promised, they received. Well, pastor, no, that's when they got born again, pastor. Well, go to John chapter 20. Go left a little bit. Go to the book of John. Look at verse 20, chapter 20. Look at verse 22. John 20, look at verse 22. They're up in the disciples. They are hiding. 
in fear, and Jesus walks right through a wall. You know, when you get, when you get a glorified body, it'll be just like Jesus. You can walk through walls. In the millennium, I'm going to walk through some walls and freak some people out. <laughs> and say, peace, be still. I, I, I can't wait. So he walks in, and guess what he says to these disciples in John 20, 22? Jesus said, and when he said this, he breathed on them. <sighs> and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You know this, what this really likens back to, exactly, is what God did with Adam. When he, made, he gave life, life to Adam, he breathed into Adam and he received life. But what did Jesus do at the beginning of the church with the, these first believers? He breathed in them new life, received the Holy Spirit. So they received the Holy Spirit in them, they were born again, but they have a subsequent experience just a few days later called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came in them for their benefit, but now the Holy Spirit comes upon them for service. And so now let's move on to the book of Acts and look more about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to see Acts chapter 8. Look at verse 12. Acts chapter 8. This is Philip, the evangelist, preaching in Samaria. And so he preaches the gospel. He heals the sick. And then in verse 12 it says, But when they, that's the Samaritans, believed. Say believed. They believed Philip as he preached those things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. Both men and women were baptized. They believed and were baptized. Notice, you, do you baptize unbelievers or believers? Believers. believers. And we just read in, Acts, or in Romans 8 9 that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're none of his. But I want you to read something. Go down a few verses. Go down a few verses in verse 15. And it says, who, this is Peter and John, they came down, heard about the revival, they came down. And Peter and John, when they had come down, prayed for them, they might receive the Holy Spirit. Well, they had, they had, didn't they already have the Holy Spirit? Yes. This is talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Keep reading. For yet he had fallen upon, fallen upon none of them. They have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they laid their hands on them and received the Holy Spirit. Well, pastor, this verse doesn't talk about them praying in tongues, but I want you to look at verse 18. There was another man named Simon, and he was a, a, sorceress, a sorcerer before he got saved. And he saw something that took place when, the, when they laid hands on them. Something spectacular took place, because why do we know that? When Simon saw that through the laying of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. If it was just the new birth, you can't see what happens on the inside. There's something spectacular that took place that this guy offered them money that I can do that. These people obviously received the same way, were filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues and prophesied, and did great things. Look at Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. This is Peter speaking to Cornelius. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't need to wait a long time to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Some people, they get saved, but there's years that go by before they ever hear about the power that's available to come upon them for service, but that doesn't need to be. I think when you lead someone to the Lord, you should lead them right into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so right here, they're going to receive Jesus, and the Holy Spirit's going to come upon them immediately. And so look at Acts chapter 10, look at verse 44. Why Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon, 
fell upon all those who heard the word, and those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Well, how did they know that, that the gift had been poured out on them? Look at verse 46. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered. Peter was always talking. All right, go to Ephesians. Go, I'm going to, don't go to Ephesians. Go to Acts 19. Paul is in Ephesus. He's traveling along one day and meets some disciples, the ones that claim they know Jesus. And so he calls them disciples. Look at Acts 19, look at verse 1. And it happened while Paulus was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Found some who? Some disciples. In verse 2, Paul asked them a very interesting question. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? If all there was was receiving the Holy Spirit at the new birth, then there, this question is, is not necessary. Let's put our, put our thinking caps on. It's just not necessary. If you believed, you, you, it's, in your, it's in your spirit. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? So they said to him, we have not so much heard there's a Holy Spirit. Well, okay, then how were you baptized? Because you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, we had John's baptism. Oh, well, okay, well, he pointed to Jesus, but then he, he taught them more, and then they were baptized in the name of the Lord. You only baptize people that are saved. I want you to see the next verse. Look at Acts 19.6. And when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon, came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied, just as in the day of Acts, chapter 2. Well, the Holy Spirit came, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. So again, they were already saved, they were already baptized. You don't baptize people that don't have the Holy Spirit inside them. And then he laid hands on them in the Spirit to receive the Holy Spirit, and, and they received. Now, one of the greatest areas the Holy Spirit helps us is in our prayer life. Tell someone you really need help in prayer. <laughs> prayer life? What prayer life? <laughs> when the church started, the Holy Spirit brought a form of prayer that could not be found in the Old Testament. You know that every form of prayer in the Old Testament you can find in the New Testament. You can find the prayer of faith, the prayer of worship, the prayer of thanksgiving, the prayer of agreement. You can find those, those kinds of prayers in the Old Testament. There's one type of prayer you cannot find in the Old Testament that's unique to the dispensation of grace, the church age, called tongues. Why? Because it has to be attached to grace because it's the dispensation of the grace of God. I call tongues grace prayer, enablement prayer, prayer help in prayer. Well, God gives you the very words to speak from your spirit to God that's a spirit and enables and, and, and fills you with the power of God in doing it. And so this is grace prayer. The Holy Spirit uses this form of prayer to help us communicate with God who is a spirit and allows us to speak spirit to spirit and imparts the grace and power to us. Now I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to close it because I don't know all of you guys. And I'm going to give you my personal testimony about my prayer life. It was pathetic. <laughs> pathetic. I hated prayer. Did you say that? I did. I hated it. Because every day I had a monologue. Because when I was a denominational boy, I was told, you need a quiet time. 
I said, that sounds good. No, you won't like this. <laughs> now, this quiet time, it's for an hour. And it's as early as possible on your knees. I wasn't good with any of those. And so you had to have that. And so I, what I would do, I'd get in there and I'd start praying everything I could do, know how to pray. And I'd say, God, I thank you so much. And, and I'd pray for this and that and the other. And then I thought, oh, surely I got my hour in. I looked up, it's five minutes. <laughs> and so I'd keep praying. And the Jesus, and I felt so condemned. Jesus said, can you not tarry one hour? <laughs> no, I can't. And then, and then, you know, and I, I'd already received the Holy Spirit, so I'd pray this monologue out, and then I would just end it with a few minutes in tongues, and I would leave. Matter of fact, I was so vexed and irritated by this lack of uh, purpose. It just, there's, I hated it. As I said, Lord, uh, this is the same thing every day. So this morning, I'm going to tape it. And so tomorrow, I'm just going to hit play and go do my own stuff. You can listen if you want. Because it's the same thing every day. And uh, so, that, so that's the way my prayer life was. I would pray in English as much as I could, and then I would just end with a few minutes, one, or min, one two minutes in tongues, and I was out. But one day, I came across how Paul prayed. And it wasn't like I pray, how I prayed. Paul had a powerful prayer life. I believe it was the, one of the main secrets of his life. One of the main secrets of revelation that he got from the Word of God was praying in tongues. And I found one day how Paul prayed his prayer life. It was not like mine. I would pray in English as much as I could and pray a little bit in tongues and I over and out. But look at 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 15. This is Paul's prayer life. 1 Corinthians 14. Look at verse 15. Paul says, what is it then? I will pray, look at the word pray, it's the Greek word prosuke, P-R-O-S, you're taking notes, P-R-O-S-E-U-C-H-E, prosuke, says, I will pray, prosuke, with the Spirit. What does that mean? Praying in tongues, praying with His Spirit by the Holy Spirit, communicating Him in a supernatural language called tongues. It says, I will pray with the Spirit and I will pray with the understanding. He said, I first prayed in, my, prayed in tongues, my, my the prayer language, and then I prayed in my natural language. I don't know if it was Greek or Hebrew, but he would pray afterwards. I had it backwards. I would pray as much as I could in my English and then to finish a little bit in praying in tongues. Paul said, no, I start with tongues. I make it, I put it in the forefront. I put it as pre preeminence in my prayer life. And then, uh, then I pray out with my natural language. So guys, I'm not saying become unbalanced. It's not all just praying in the Spirit, but it's predominantly, it takes the forefront. It's grace New Testament prayer God's given you to help you in prayer and then be sensitive to what you've been praying out and the Holy Spirit will give you impressions to pray out in English. And when you do that, guess what? Your prayer life takes new directions every single time you pray. New vistas, new this is new. This is good. And you walk away. And, and before I would try, have you ever tried to tell God how good he is in English and just there's not enough English words? And you feel unsatisfied that you can't really do that. But when you pray in tongues, you're able to fully vent and share how great the Lord is and walk away satisfied on the inside that you've communicated. And so the Holy Spirit pointed out to me, again, Paul prayed 
differently. I, I was doing it backwards. And so if you will let the Holy Spirit help you from the start, he will guide your prayer and then be sensitive to what the Spirit is has been speaking through you. Look in Colossians 4, look at verse 2. Colossians 4, look at verse 2. Paul says, continue in prayer, prosuke. So you can prosuke in English, but you can prosuke in tongues. Paul says, continue in prayer, prosuke, and watch. Continue in prayer and watch. What are you watching for? The clock to hit one hour? (laughs) No, you're being sensitive, getting impression of the leading of the Holy Spirit so you can pray it out in English. Pray and watch. So again, I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to close it because I don't know all of you guys. I'm going to give you my personal testimony. I always heard that praying in tongues gives you power for the Christian walk. I wasn't experiencing it at all. And so have you ever said stuff to the Lord and you're like, oh, I don't know if I should have said that. Can I say that? I said, Lord, I've heard that praying in tongues gives you power, but it doesn't. I didn't know what I was going to get. And then I heard the Lord softly on the inside, not, not yelling at me. Very softly. He says, yeah, because you don't do it enough. You don't do it enough. I was just giving them a, a few sentences. I was giving them a few minutes in tongues, and, and I wasn't experiencing the, de- the, the purpose of tongues, the power of tongues. I wasn't experiencing it like I should. I wasn't getting into the deeper realms of tongues where you speak mysteries. We'll talk about that here in a second. You speak mysteries, and then you get into supplications in the Spirit. We're going to, know, we're going to give you that. I'm going to read that verse to you. There's supplications in the Spirit. So, so how do you know that you've just, you're just in your regular prayer language? Because, because God knows, God has revealed to us what's the divine protocol to his presence. You ever figure out there's a divine protocol to entering his presence? It's found in Psalms 100, verse 4. Psalms 100 verse 4 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. You want to experience the presence of God? Be thankful. Start praising him. And guess what? The Holy Spirit knows the divine protocol. That when you start praying in tongues, he'll lead you to start entering into the divine protocol and you'll start thanking God and praising God. The first part of tongues that you're going to experience is worship and it's thanksgiving. How do I know that, Pastor? Because in 1 Corinthians 14, 17, Paul is talking about tongues. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 17, For you indeed give thanks well. You know, I can give thanks in English. I can just do that kind of good. But I do it really well when I pray in tongues. You enter into the divine protocol. You give worship and praise. But all, most Christians, that's all they're given. A minute or two, and that's all they get into is to thank and praise God. But there's deeper realms where you pray out mysteries. If you're single, raise your hand if you're single. Okay, look around. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You need to be praying out the mysteries of your spouse, mysteries of your future. When you pray, and I'm going to quote a verse where it shows you that you're praying out mysteries when you pray in tongues. But you know what? I believe it's the mysteries of the Word of God that you're praying that out. But, and then there's what's called Ephesians 6.18. Ephesians 6.18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. 
supplication. There's deeper realms of tongues. If you'll pray longer, you'll get it. How do you know you've done it? Because your, your prayer language changes. All of a sudden, uh, for me, it goes like into Oriental. It's like, ooh, business is being transacted. I'm going, I mean, it's, I don't know if it is, or, but it just changes in a whole different tongue. And you're like, whoa, things are happening here. When you pray in tongues over a length of time, you actually satisfy the requirements found in Philippians 4.6. Look at Philippians 4.6. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, prosuke. Paul says, I prosuke in, in my spirit, I prosuke with my understanding. Uh, I be anxious, but in everything by prosuke and supplication. Did we just read it? Supplication in the spirit with thanksgiving. When I pray in tongues, I give thanks. Well, you know, I haven't prayed and I haven't ever prayed a whole hour in tongues that I didn't walk out with the peace of God just over me, just solid on the inside and nothing on the outside changed. I changed on the inside. There was some peace that came over my life because I satisfied Philippians 4, 6. Now let's talk about the difference between Old Testament prayer and New Testament prayer. I'm going to make a statement, and it's true, that most Christians have an Old Testament prayer life. An Old Testament prayer life. Well, how's that, Pastor? Well, most Christians have a, a just the, the only time they pray is a set time. They have a set hour, a set time. That's when they do their praying. And that's where the presence of God is. And that's where they fellowship with God. And then they leave their prayer closet to live their secular day. They're just off on the day. And then they'll come back to a prayer, time, a, a, an hour of prayer or a time of prayer. That's Old Testament. Do you know that the Old Testament prayer was hours of prayer? Hours of prayer was Old Testament. I want you to look in Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 10. This was still during... The dispensation of the Old Testament, Luke chapter 1, look at verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside the temple at the hour of incense. Incense is a type of prayer. And so they were praying. This was 9 a.m. They were praying at the temple, at the hour, and they called it the hour of prayer. And they would meet at 9. Also, 3 p.m., they had an hour of prayer at the temple. And so they would come to the presence of God. They would commune with, with him there and leave the presence of God to live their secular life. Look at Acts chapter 3, look at verse 1. Peter and John are going to go to the temple. They're not really going to go there to pray. They're going to go there to witness because that's where all the Jews meet and they want to go witness. But look at Acts 3, look at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. At the hour of prayer, which was the ninth hour. And so they had hours of prayer. What's that about? The Jews came to where the presence of God was. That's the temple. And then they would leave the presence of God. And so most Christians have Old Testament praying. Is they have a time of prayer that's sacred. Their sacred time. And then they leave that prayer time. And then they live their secular life. And so guess what? That is not the New Testament type of praying. Well, Pastor, how am I supposed to pray in the New Testament? I'm glad you asked. Look in 1 Thessalonians 5.17. 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says, pray at the hours of prayer. 
I'm sorry, clueless translation. Pray without ceasing. Look at Romans 12, uh, look at Romans 12, 12 in the ESV. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoice and exult in hope. Be steadfast and patient in suffering and in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Be constant in prayer. Look at Ephesians 6, 18. Mouth of three, two or three witnesses, I'm giving you four. Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always, prosuke, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Look at Colossians 4, 2 again. Colossians 4, 2. Continue earnestly in prayer, prosuke. So here we see we are to pray continually. Why is that? Guess what? In the New Testament, who's the temple? You are. Where's the presence of God? in you. So guess what? Wherever you go, what goes with you? The presence of God. You're the temple. Some temples are bigger than others. I don't judge. (laughs) But you take the presence of God with you, so we're to commune with him, pray all the time. Pastor, that seems so extreme. That's Are you telling me that that's what I need to do, Pastor? No, I'm not telling you that. God is. I just read to you. This is God. And I'm telling you that in the day we live in, we must do this to survive and thrive in the day we're living in, especially the time we get closer and closer to Jesus because you can tell it's getting more and more dark out there. Pastor, again, it seems so extreme. I have a life, Pastor. I have kids. I have sandwiches to make. I have things. I have a job to do. I need to go do this. I got a lot of stuff I'm doing. I have TV shows to watch, Pastor. I have binge watching to do. I have Facebook friends. I got friends. I got a life. And God says, yes, you got a life. That's why I'm giving you help. So that you can pray all the time. Guess what? When you pray in tongues, you're not praying out of your head. You're praying out of your spirit. And you can concentrate on anything you need to concentrate on if with your mind and still be praying out of your spirit, spirit to spirit. And you're going to get all the benefits we're about to talk and we're going to end with the benefits of praying in tongues. But, but you can pray throughout the day. That's the secret of this Christian walk is that you need to be start praying throughout the day in tongues and then praying it out in English and praying through the day in tongues, praying it out in English. And you can pray. Guess what? I can read and pray. I can read the Bible and pray in tongues. Now I have to pray a little quieter because it'll just be distracting. But they're coming from two different sources. I'm reading from my head, but praying out of my spirit. You can actually read the Bible, meditate, and actually pay attention. I this morning was putting together the last bit of the sermon on this. I was praying in tongues the entire time and concentrating on my message. You can read the Bible and you can pray in tongues at the same time. You can make sandwiches. And pray in tongues at the same time. You can focus on your job and doing your job and being quietly at work, quietly in tongues. Don't be weird. <laughs> under your breath. Most of my praying during the day is, is silent, kind of quietly under my breath, praying throughout the day, praying in tongues throughout the day. And so there's times where I have to talk with people and I'll talk with them, but pretty much you're out that, you're probably going to catch me or see me, I'm going to be praying in tongues. Throughout the day. Well, Pastor, you're just too extreme. No, that's what God said to do. And so uh, you can read and pray in tongues. You can mentally concentrate on things and pray in the Spirit. And so, but wait, 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 wait for it. You can watch TV. 
sacrilegious? That's so sacrilegious. No, you're just religious. You're religious with what's sacred. Sacrilegious comes with sacred and religious. Is you believe that God, there's sacred time, there's times of prayer and worship and stuff like that in church, but then there's secular time, not sacred time. And so, but you can't blend the two. No, as a Christian, your whole life is sacred. And I can pray in tongues. And, and guess what? As I'm watching TV, I can be praying in tongues and praying in tongues. And you know what? It affects how much I want to pr- watch TV. It affects what I watch in TV. If you can't pray in tongues while you're watching TV, maybe you shouldn't be watching what you're watching. <laughs> Pastor, you're bending my mind. I, I never. It's a new dot paradigm. Yes, yes. Now, lastly, I'm going to talk about the benefits of praying in tongues. Anyone ever owned, oh, if you're older, a Swiss Army knife? Those things are pretty cool, right? Because you have, you know, you have a knife and, and you have a hammer and a jacket and you, and you have a screwdriver and a fork and this thing does all this stuff and there's one knife. Well, guess what? Tongues is God's Swiss Army knife. It's a Swiss Army knife. It does so many things while you're doing one thing, praying in tongues. It does so many things. So quickly, let's go through those. First of all, it provides power. Power. Acts 1.8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So you're baptized one time, but you leak. Ephesians 5.18 says, be being filled in the Greek. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit and by speaking. So, so speaking in tongues. Next of all, it builds you up. It builds you up. Look at 1 Corinthians 14.4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, builds up oneself, and he who prophesies edifies the church. Look at Jude 20. Look at, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. You have, you have a hard to play if you're built up or not. It's up to you. Build yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Look at the word build yourself up or edifies. Same Greek word. P, uh, Kenneth Hagins was speaking one day to P.C. Nelson. P.C. Nelson was one of the foremost linguists of his day. He knew 25 languages. One of the foremost Greek scholars of his day. He was talking to Kenneth Hagin one day about this verse, about building yourself up. And he says, you know what? If there was a, a good translation today, if you could accurately translate that Greek word today, it would be charge yourself up. Charge yourself up like a battery that's run down. You ever had your phone run out of juice? Guess what's good for? It's a paperweight. There's a lot of Christian paperweights that they, they've been drained spiritually. You ever, the sickest feeling when you get in your car to go somewhere and you turn the key and it goes click, 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 click. What happened? The battery got run down. There's nothing wrong with the car, nothing wrong with the engine. But the battery's run down. There's a lot of Christians, their battery has run down. And so they go to love someone. They go to forgive someone. They go to be patient with someone. But guess what? They go to do it. Go click, click, click. Click, click, click. Click, click, click. No, guess what? You can keep this phone plugged in and still use it throughout the day if you stay close enough to the power source. But you can charge and keep this thing charged up, praying in the Holy Spirit. Next of all, you speak mysteries. You speak mysteries that you don't know. Your, your, your peanut brain is limited. I don't care how much you roast it. It's still limited. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 14, look, look at verse 2. 
For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. The Greek word mysterion. Mysterion. We get mystery from that. You speak out the mysteries of your future, your future, your ministry, your kids. But you play out the mysteries of the word of God. Raise your hand. You can tell me that when you got baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues, the word of God took a whole new dimension in your life. Well, that's where you're giving the Holy Spirit more to work with. Next of all, you receive rest and refreshment when you pray in tongues. Rest and refreshment. Look at Isaiah 28. Look at verse 11. Isaiah, we're almost done. I see the landing strip in hand. Don't unbuckle. Isaiah 28, 11. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest. Say, this is the rest. rest. Which, Which you may cause the weary to rest. Are you weary today? Are you spiritually weary today? Have you run down today? Well, there's a way to find rest. And this is the refreshing. What? Stammering lips in another tongue. That's the rest. That's the refreshing. Well, pastor, I just drink a glass of wine at night to rest and relax. No, you don't need to get drunk. You You need the new wine of the Holy Spirit. Next of all, you pray God's perfect will every single time. If you could pray a perfect prayer every single time, you know God would hear you, and it was a perfect prayer, and you could pray it as long as you wanted to, hour after hour. Would you raise your hand and say, I'm interested in that? That's what tongues does. Because when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit gives you the utterance, but you pray it. Your spirit prays the utterance the Holy Spirit gives you. Acts 2.4. They prayed in the Holy Spirit as the Spirit gave them the utterance. And so Romans 8.27 says, He who searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he, the Spirit, makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Well, here, Pastor, the Holy Spirit's interceding for the saints. But verse 26, he says the Holy Spirit helps our weaknesses. The word help means to take hold together against. You have a part to play in it. And how do you do it? Pray in tongues and the Holy Spirit will pray through you. Perfect prayers as much as you want to pray. And then you give thanks well. We, we've talked about that. That's 1 Corinthians 14, 17. You magnify God. That's Acts 10, 46. And they spoke with tongues and magnified God. The last thing I'm going to talk about is this one. We'll close here. But, the, but the, one of the best benefits I've had in my life is this point right here. Praying in tongues a lot, it provides freedom from fear, anxiety, and gives great boldness. I'm just going to open my heart and close it because I don't know you guys. But, but there would be times where I would have anxiety. And I didn't know where it was coming from. I'd wake up in the morning with a sense of dread. Just a sense of, of my, about my day. It's just, I didn't know where it came from. It was just resting over me. And, so, and just fear of dealing with certain people and confronting things and just fear, being gripped with fear in my life. And God showed me how to get free, free from that is praying like I'm showing you, praying in tongues will actually give you boldness and free you from fear. It will free you from fear. And every time I've done it, it lifts. It lifts. And I find myself with great boldness. Not baldness, be careful. <laughs> Look at Acts 4.31. A few more verses, guys, and we'll unbuckle and, and let you be plain. Acts 4.31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with what? Boldness. What made Peter bold? 
praying in the Spirit. Finally, look at 2 Timothy 1.6. Paul's writing Timothy. He's a pastor of a church. And Paul's dealing with great fear in his life, great timidity in his life. He has, he has stomach problems. Paul says, you know what? You've got you to take a little bit of wine and, for the stomach's sake. And so he, has, he probably has ulcers, and he's dealing with a large church in Ephesus. He's afraid about stuff. And Paul says, you need to do something that's going to give you power over that. First, second, the circuit Timothy 1.6 says, Therefore I, Paul, remind you, Timothy, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Well, pastor, that's his ministry gift that he got when he laid hands on him. Oh, really? Well, the, how do you know interpretation? Context. Context. Read the next verse. It starts with the word for, which means connects it to the verse ahead. Look at the next verse. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. There was something about stirring up this gift that's going to give you victory over fear. That's going to give you power. That's going to tap you into the love of God. And keep yourselves in the love of God, Jude 20, verse 21 and 21 says. And a sound mind. He was saying, Stir up that gift of tongues when I laid my hands on you. Did you know Paul, when he got filled with the Holy Spirit, he had hands laid on him by Ananias? Do you know in Ephesians, we looked at it, those, he laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. He laid hands on Timothy, he got filled with the Holy Spirit. He said, stir it up, stir it up. Fan it to a flame. Make it red hot. Keep the, you ever had a fire where it's barely going, you stoke it and it fans to a flame? He says, you need to do it. Stir up that gift. Then I laid hands on you and you prayed in tongues. What, how do you do it? Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues a lot. Pray in tongues. I'm going to make one last statement. Flies can't land on a hot stove. Flies can't land on a hot stove. And there's going to be great victory in your life if you take this to heart. And so, so if we close here, I'm going to give you the opportunity this morning, right in the service here, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the gift of tongues. When I was a young college boy, I was in a, co a college group of Baptist boys but, but, the, but my college group, they were all on Copenhagen. <laughs> Kenneth Copen, Kenneth Hagen, they're all speaking in tongues. I didn't have it. And I was jealous. I was like, dude, they have something I don't have. God has something that I don't have. I could have that, and I received that. And today you might say, you know what? I see the benefit of this. And Jesus talked about it. Paul talked about it. I need this. So if you've not received this gift and you want it this morning, and I'll personally lay hands on you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and you will receive. Amen. You will. You will. And, I'll, and, and so, so if that's you, and you want to be bold about it and say, you know what, I, don't not, I do not have that gift. I want that gift in my life. And I see the scripturalness of it. And so, Pastor, I want you to pray, pray with me for that. I want you to raise your hand. Pastor, I need that. Okay, back here. Everybody has their hands raised. I want you to come up here and stand up here, and we're going to receive that. So if you had your hands raised, come on up here. If you wish you raised your hand, you say, well, that's me. I just, oh, sorry. Just stand right up here, and just put your toes right up against the ledge there. Come on and fill it out over here. Give them a hand. Do you remember when you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Okay, so, so what I'm going to do is I'm just, we're just going to ask. We're just going to receive.
Jesus said, if, if earthly parents give good things to their children, how much will the Holy Spirit, how much will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Amen. Just simply ask. But you've got to believe you receive. So I'm going to lay hands on you to be, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when we're done, you're going to have to do your part by faith. You pray in the Spirit by faith. Building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. This is key, guys. The Holy Spirit does not pray in tongues. You pray in tongues as the Spirit gives you the utterance. You need to do the talking. You're going to be doing the speaking, but just not in English. So when I lay hands on you, the power of God is going to be in you, and you're going to sense uh, some utterance coming up that it's not tongues. Go ahead and speak those things out. It's not in English. Guys, if it doesn't automatically come when we start, we're all going to help back here. We're all going to pray in our prayer languages I've already received, guys. Well, pastor, there's a verse that says, all of us, if everybody prays in tongues, the unlearned will think you're crazy. Well, I just educated you all. There's no one unfirmed because I informed all of you. Okay? So, so, so we're going to pray. So we're not going to lay hands on you. You're going to receive. And then we're gonna all going to pray by faith. We're going to pray in tongues. So you're going to have to open your mouth and start speaking syllables that are not English. If it doesn't come automatically, I'm going to pray slowly in tongues. And you can pick up on a few syllables and say my syllables. Hold on a second. Well, you're copycatting. All of a sudden, this happens every time. I'm going to speed up. I'm going to speed up. It's just giving your tongue, giving the Holy Spirit your tongue. And you're going to pick up a few syllables I'm saying. But after a while, I'm too fast for you to keep up. And, but it's going to, your own is going to start flowing. And you're going to be fine. Okay, I'm doing that. It doesn't sound like pastors. Okay? And so does everybody understand? Okay. All right, so I'm going to come back. And I'm going to lay hands on you. I'm not saying that you need to have, feel something or fall down or shake or anything. Sometimes you don't. Most of the time you don't. So I'm just going to lay hands on you, and we're going to believe you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to exercise that gift by faith. Okay? Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit of my sister. Come upon her right now. In Jesus' name. Come upon my sister. Baptize her in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming upon this young man in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming upon him, baptizing him in your spirit and power in the name of Jesus. Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're coming upon her right now. Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're coming upon my sister and baptizing her and the Holy Spirit and power. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're baptizing my sister right now and coming upon her in the name of Jesus. Okay, this is what we're going to do in faith. To count of three, we're going to pray, but not in English. Not in English. Everybody here, back them up and pray in your prayer language. And so it might be coming right now. It's coming. Some of you guys are praying right now. Just go ahead and pray. Pray it out. Pray it out. You haven't even met. You've been praying right now. But, but if it hasn't come, pick up some of my syllables. That's just giving the Holy Spirit something to work with. You're, and I'll speed up, but yours will keep going. All right. One, two, three. Chandra, Patra, Poshi, Bandre, Baka, Stodo, Basti, Mandra, Vada, Basta, Boskula, Mandlevi, Vedara, Malundra, Mandleviki, Pasa, yes, yes, yes. Pandra, Mandra, Mandra, just give it, just speak. Mandra. Sandra, keep going. Mandra, you have to speak. Mandra, pasta, bastu, to the beski. Pascal, just start speaking. Mandra, pandra, yeah, mandra, shabada, kariki. Pasta, la veve, studu, bada, halbashin, de lemendele, viva, leve, lamba, leve, Okay, stop. Why am I telling you to stop? Because 
this is something you do. Paul says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with my understanding. You can start and stop anytime you want. It's totally up to you. You can pray as much as you want or the little as you want. So to prove that to you, I'm going to, that's going to start again, and it's going to be there. You know, oh, it's going to go away. No. Let's pray again, one, two, three, and start praying in tongues again. One, two, three. Start praying. Go ahead. Keep speaking. Amen. Okay, guys, you see Vern over there with his hands? Look over there. You see Vern over there? I want you to follow him. We're going to get you a free book on the New You and the Holy Spirit by Andrew Womack. And they're going to pray with you if you have any other questions about that or want to receive that in a more fuller way. Vern and the prayer team, and then you're going to be right back into the service. So just follow Vern right now, and they're going to give you a free book and answer any questions you may have. There's people watching. If you're watching, you, you can have that right where you're at. You don't need to be in the church. And just ask, say, Lord, I ask you to fill me, fill me and baptize me in the Holy Spirit. Come upon me, and then just start speaking out. And you there are going to, you're speaking, there's some that have been speaking in tongues during this for the first time. So you write in, email us, you receive that, okay? I just felt like the Holy Spirit was saying to myself too that there are some of us in here in this room that have been relying on ourselves too much and that we need to rely on the Holy Spirit because fear is starting to choke us up and keep us from fulfilling the purpose that God has for us. Um, so I just want to encourage everybody today that to spend more time in the Holy Spirit, to just give over our worries and our fears and cast them at his feet and allow him to, to build us up, like Pastor said, and charge us up so that we can fulfill what God has called us to do. While we were worshiping and I was praying, the Lord reminded me of in Genesis when the Spirit was hovering over the deep. And the earth was formless and void, and God spoke. And it was the Holy Spirit who acted on those words. And I just felt to encourage you guys today that if your life feels formless and void, and you've been getting the word, but it's not been connecting, you need the Holy Spirit. And you need to invite the Holy Spirit into your understanding and into what you're trying to do for the Lord. This was the missing link. And so let the Holy Spirit give life to the Word of God in your heart today. And don't try to go it alone. Let the Holy Spirit add substance and structure to those places that are formless and void.